everybody. Thanks again for listening. And uh, hey, listen, you probably would assume this, but while we're going through the Gospel of Luke, there are lots of layers to um, learning about discipleship, learning about what it means to follow Jesus. And so if there's some stuff in particular that's on your heart or on your mind, questions you have, it doesn't have to be directly related to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, let us know. Write a comment in one of these posts um, as we're going through this in audio form. Uh, or send us a comment on our Connect page on our website, thewaybk.com. Or uh, drop us a message on our Facebook page, The Way BK. Whatever it may be, let us know what you'd like to hear about, what would help you in your walk. Um, because like we said, there's so many amazing and important topics throughout the Gospel of Luke and, uh, and otherwise. So if you've got something that you're thinking would be, hey, it'd be cool if we could hear some stuff about this, let us know. And we'll try to put out some content that relates to the things that are on your mind and on your heart. Appreciate everybody listening, and we hope this is helpful. That's the whole point. We're not making this just for fun. We're making it so it'll help people follow Jesus more and understand him better and love him. And that's what it's all about. Today, we're in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Before we get into it, though, I'd like to ask you a question or try to imagine something. Uh, actually, first, don't imagine something. Just think about something you probably already know about. You probably noticed on different social media platforms, this happens, I think, mostly on Twitter and maybe also on Instagram a good bit, where you'll have these fan accounts, and it almost looks like an account of maybe a celebrity, maybe it's an actor or a musician or a politician or an activist or an athlete or whatever it may be, and it's pictures and quotes and um, you know updates on the show or the stats or whatever of this famous individual but it's not their account personal account it doesn't have the blue check mark or whatever to show it's a famous person's real account it's just people who support them like them appreciate them whatever and want to put out their stuff into the into the internet that was a really old way of saying that into the internet but you get what I'm saying anyway on that, the bio may say something like this is a fan account or if they're trying to trick people they'll pretend like it's a real account and in doing that they'll usually say something about who that person is right and it's their perception of here's what makes this celebrity or politician or athlete or famous person whatever it may be this is what makes them special and i'm gonna put that in the bio imagine you were making a fan account for jesus and i'm not trying to be sacrilege or blasphemous or silly but just imagine that you were putting together a fan account for Jesus what would be in the bio what would you say about him and you can even think about so far as you've read through the gospel of Luke which I hope you have and if you haven't probably not a bad idea for you to stop this recording right quick go pick up your Bible and spend about 20 minutes and read Luke chapters 1 through 6 that's probably may take you 15 even what would you say about Jesus so come back now you're back you've read the gospel of Luke so far at least and you've probably read other stuff in the Bible. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe you've heard people talk about Jesus. But what would you put in the bio? A wise teacher? A miracle worker? Water walker? I mean, I don't know. Like, what, what would you put in there? I don't know that this would be the only thing that would need to be in the bio. But I know one of the most important things that would need to be in a bio of Jesus is his compassion. Luke chapter 7 
is a great place to learn about and to appreciate the compassion of Jesus. There's a series of stories here that highlight it. The first story at the beginning of chapter 7 is about a man who was powerful. He was a powerful military ruler. He wasn't a Jew, but the Jews liked him and because he had helped out their nation. And he seemed to respect um, the God of heaven, Yahweh, the God of the Jews, because he helped them build their synagogue and stuff. And they said, oh, Jesus, you've got to help this guy. His servant's sick. He's definitely worth your help. But the centurion, this Roman um, military leader, he sends word to Jesus. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. You are way more important than I am. You are powerful. I get power. I'm a man who's powerful, and I'm under powers myself. Honestly, you shouldn't even come. But even if you just said the word, like, I'm not worthy to have you in my house, but if you would just say the word, I know my servant would be healed. What's great about Jesus is Jesus doesn't launch into a sermon condemning this guy for being a Roman soldier, which I guess he could have done because I bet this guy did some things that were kind of shady at some point in his life. Um, Jesus doesn't just decide to preach a sermon or, I don't know, like any of the things Jesus could have done at this moment. Verse 9 says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at the man. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Instead of taking this moment to kind of relish, did you guys hear what this guy said about me? You jokers don't even respect me. Y'all don't listen to what I say. No, Jesus turns all the attention on this man. And he says, this guy, I've never found such great faith, even in Israel. So he praises a man. And then it says that the men who had been sent to Jesus, they return and they find that Jesus indeed had healed the servant uh, without even meeting him, by the way. So besides compassion, we're focusing on compassion in this episode. But... Divine power is definitely uh, got to be in Jesus' bio as well. Anyway, you see the compassion, though. Jesus cares about this guy. He's never met. He's never seen. And yet Jesus cares enough to praise the man and to heal his servant. The next story, Jesus goes to a town that, as far as I know, is not mentioned anywhere else in the Gospels. It's a nothing place called Nain. And whenever Jesus came to this town, there was a funeral procession. There was a widow who had lost her only son. Now, look, there are plenty of widows there are plenty of women who had lost children. And if Jesus spent every second of every day worrying about that, he would never get anything done. Except to help people who are in pain and who are in trouble. Jesus stops the funeral procession. He reaches out. And he heals the man. But before he did that, I want you to look at what he says. In verse 13, I love this. Actually, the NIV translates it this way. Luke 7, verse 13. When the Lord saw the woman, he said, uh, sorry, his heart went out to her. See, I wanted to jump over that part. Isn't that weird? It's so easy for us to forget compassion. Maybe not for you, but for me, right? I just want to get to the thing. He said to her, don't cry. That's, let's, let's move on with the story. No, no, no. Look at this. Verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. He felt compassion for her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up, touched the casket they were carrying the guy on. The bearer stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Jesus could have just healed the guy. He could have just done a, a drive-by healing, just like he did with the past story, right? The past story, he didn't even go to the guy's house. The guy was just healed. Jesus could have just raised this guy up just like that. But no, Jesus was doing more than just raising someone up. Jesus was showing compassion. His heart went out to this woman. He wanted the people to know that he cared about them in their trouble. And he cared about this woman in particular in her trouble. The next story is John the Baptist, who's in prison at this point. 
sends some messengers. And it's unclear if John himself had some questions about whether Jesus was actually the Messiah or if John was doing this to help his followers. Personally, I think John maybe wasn't totally doubting it, but he at least wanted some confirmation. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Are you really the Messiah? And you know, Jesus could have done a lot of things. Jesus could have said, you see that mountain over there? Hang on right quick. I'm going to blow that thing up just with my mind. He could have done that. Um, Jesus could have preached a really long sermon, which, of course, he did many, many times. But I want you to look what it says in verse 21. At that time, so in response to that question, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? At that time, Jesus gave proof. And here's his proof. At that time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Do you hear what Jesus basically says? He says, Look at the compassionate acts I just did. Look at the powerful acts I did. Look at the prophecy-fulfilling acts. But they were all acts of compassion. You see, God set up the miracles that Jesus would do to be acts of compassion. Nearly every miracle. There are a couple, like Jesus uh, walked on water. Uh, Jesus cursed a fig tree and destroyed it. Jesus did a couple of things that weren't directly related to restoring someone who was in pain. But almost every single miracle Jesus did was to help someone who was hurting, which is a reflection of his compassion, of all the things he could have done with his power to prove that he was the Messiah and to make people listen to him. And by the way, that is the purpose of his miracles. The purpose of Jesus' miracles was not just to help people. The purpose of Jesus' miracles was to convince people that he indeed was the Christ and that they should listen to him. But don't forget that the miracles that he used to prove who he was as the Christ and to convince people to listen to his good message of salvation and rescue from the world. They were acts of compassion. And one of my favorite ones is actually at the end of Luke 7. Jesus was in the house of a Pharisee who invited him to have dinner with him. And Jesus went in and he's at the table. And verse 37 of Luke 7 says, There was a woman who lived a sinful life. Many people assume this woman was some sort of sexually promiscuous sinner, maybe a prostitute, or just someone who's promiscuous. It's not really clear, but you can imagine that. That is the natural thing to imagine when a woman is identified as a sinner in Scripture. But it is interesting that it's left ambiguous. She's just a sinner. So actually, whatever sin you would think would be really terrible and disgusting, import that onto this woman. She was known to live a sinful life. So she came to Jesus. She had an alabaster jar of perfume, and it says she stood behind him, and she was at his feet just crying her eyes out, weeping. And she began to, she was crying so much that the tears from her eyes, she was using that to wet his feet. And I don't know if they were literally falling off her face, or if what that means is she was actually wiping her tear-filled eyes and her tear-stained cheeks against his feet. Whatever it may be, you see this woman is just in deep contrition and she's overwhelmed with emotion. And then she takes her hair and she wipes his feet with her hair and she's kissing his feet and she's pouring perfume on his feet. Right? When the Pharisee saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. 
And then Jesus tells a little story. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii. A denarii is a day's wage. The other earned 50. So you're talking about a year, year and a half worth of salary versus a month and a half of salary. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Which one will love him more? Simon replied, uh, I suppose the one who had been forgiven the bigger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman. I love this. He's looking at the woman, and he said to Simon. So he's speaking a message, but he wants Simon to look at this woman. He says, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you didn't give me water for my feet, which is, by the way, that was part of the normal custom. That was like offering to take someone's jacket. People walked around in sandals. It was dusty there in the Middle East. So it was very normal, and it almost expected to offer water to wash someone's feet. Jesus said, you didn't offer me any water for my feet. You didn't do the normal thing. But she's coming here, and she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, customary greeting, handshake, a hug. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Jesus is saying, you haven't done the normal kindnesses for me. And yet, look at this woman, man. She's laying it all on the line for me. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Here's a thought that I have about this woman. Because I think, in many ways, this story should be the response that we should have. The stories before illustrate Jesus' compassion, right? That he, he honors this centurion guy and heals his servant. He stops his life to help this widow. And not just helps her, but comforts her. Don't cry. His heart goes out to her. Jesus performs all these miracles for these needy people to prove who he is and that he should be listened to as the Messiah. And here what you see is two responses to Jesus' compassion. One is to dismissively receive Jesus. And I know that's kind of opposite, but you get my point, right? Simon is like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you're kind of a big deal. Come on in here into my house. But Simon doesn't do anything special for Jesus because he is, the compassion of Jesus hasn't hit him very hard. It doesn't mean much to him. This woman, on the other hand, debases herself to the lowest extreme. I mean, she's wiping her, her hair, her face, her tears, her lips are all over Jesus' dirty, nasty feet. And she's pouring out what would be very expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, why is this? Because she realizes the compassion that I've shown her. She realizes how much she's been forgiven or how much she would be needed to be, would be forgiven. So I guess here's the question that I want to ask you. How much do you appreciate the compassion of Jesus? And actually, this is something you can measure. I know not everybody is very emotional. Um, so I'm not saying you got to cry every single time you think about it. But I'll say if you never have an emotional reaction to the compassion of Jesus on some level, whether it manifests itself in tears or not, if you don't have some kind of emotional reaction like this woman, maybe you don't appreciate the compassion of Jesus. Maybe I'll ramp it up a little bit um, to be a little more uh, concrete or tangible. Because somebody might say, ah, that's not fair. I'm just not an emotional person. Okay, maybe, maybe you should be. Maybe if you appreciate the compassion of Jesus, you would be more. But let's just take that for granted and say, okay, maybe you're not an emotional person. If you aren't going to 
offer things to Jesus from your life, if you're not going to give of yourself to Jesus, then you don't appreciate his compassion. Simon did not appreciate his compassion. It didn't mean much to him. He didn't think he even needed it that much. That's the implication of what Jesus is saying. The little story Jesus told, really both debtors are still debtors. But if you think, oh, I don't owe Jesus that much, I don't need Jesus that much, then his compassion is never going to mean that much to you. The only way his compassion is going to mean something to you is when you realize how much you need him. And when you realize how much you need him, the only appropriate response is to get down on your hands and knees and to use whatever you've got. If all you've got is tears and hair, then you'll give tears and hair. If you've got expensive perfume, you'll give him expensive perfume because the compassion of Jesus should demand everything that we have in ourselves. He has given us everything. And the only appropriate response is for us to get down and give him whatever we've got. I hope you appreciate the compassion of Jesus. And I hope the compassion of Jesus will help you and help me to not only be sacrificial and be moved in my heart and to appreciate him and to love him and have gratitude, which is, in some respects, an emotion, a feeling, a thought feeling at least. But I hope it's not just that we'll feel things toward Jesus and give things to Jesus, but that we'll have some compassion on others. That's what Simon was missing. He had no compassion on this woman like Jesus did. And if we're going to follow after Jesus, we need to learn to not only appreciate what he has done for us by making sacrifices to him, but to show his compassion to other people. That's what it's going to take if we're going to be people who are following the king.